Before we get into this podcast, we just want to have and share a quick disclaimer for y'all and state that Gabriel and I do not know all the answers and we are open to continued learning, criticism, and we recognize that this is a work in progress. Neither of us have all the answers, but we are both two people who are dedicated to learning and are really interested in community organizing. And we are excited to share this with you, but we are also excited to learn from mistakes and keep this a work in progress. Now enjoy the podcast. Thank you for listening. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Emma and Gabriel podcast. Hello, everyone. We hope you're doing well in the future, and hopefully school has treated you better than it has. Treated us. Yeah. We yeah. love you, Kumin, though. Shout we out to you. you. Taking all three of, taking three classes with you now. Yeah. So Gabriel and I are currently Willamette students. Um, my name's Emma. She, her pronouns. I am currently a junior at Willamette. Um, social major, history and ethnic studies minors. Very cool. And right now we are both in Kuman's human rights class and we have been talking about the sociology of human rights. Hello, my name is Gabriel. I use he, him pronouns. I am a PPLE major, third year, uh, social minor. Yeah, let's get this show on the road. Yeah. All right, so today Gabriel and I are going to be interviewing and sharing with you our conversation that we had with our fellow Willamette student, community organizer, and previous Salem-Kaiser School District school board candidate, Raul Marquez. Yeah, so I first met Raul through Alianza, uh, which is our which is Willamette's uh, Latinx uh, community group at school. Uh, I remember in one of my classes, he had also mentioned that he ran for school board candidate, and that stuck in my mind as something that seemed like incredibly impressive for someone who is uh, only a year away from our age. Um, he also organized for funding for a local homeless shelter and was able to get $200,000 in funding, as well as having the chance to speak in front of both the Oregon legislature and national legislature. Yeah, and we were really inspired by Raul and his work, and it really connected to our class this semester, especially when it comes to tactics, when it comes to community organizing. I know both of us were reminded of Mario Cifuentes and his work in a forest and fields, especially when he was talking about Fineros y Campesinos Unidos Noroeste, which is actually an organization that Raul worked with and was really inspiring to him during his school board campaign. Now we're gonna get back into the interview. I hope y'all enjoy. And then we're gonna debrief some of the topics that Raul covered and then we will send you away. Okay, so we're officially recording. Um, Hello Raul, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, doing well, thank you for having me today. Awesome, so before we get started on the questions, if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself, um, we would love to hear about you, so. Yeah, so a little bit about myself. I was born and raised in Salem, uh, yeah, Salem, so coming to Willamette was a very different dynamic from what I was so accustomed to growing up. Mm -hmm. uh, but I come from a, a large family, so I'm the fourth child of seven. So my parents are, are both immigrated from Oaxaca, Mexico at a very young age. Um, and so 
just growing up, I was surrounded by my siblings and we had all similar trajectories in the education system here in Salem Kaiser. And so most of us attended Scott Elementary School, uh, Waldo Middle School and McKay High School, which are all located in Northeast Salem. And they are very populated by Latinx uh, students and, and families. And also a, a growing population of uh, Pacific Islander community within Northeast Salem. But yeah, the way I'd like to describe it is some of the most diverse schools in the Salem Kaiser School District um, also typically tend to be the most underfunded, under-resourced, mm -hmm. over capacity. And, you know, over the recent years, we've been seeing like more funding allocated to improve the very much needed like infrastructure of the schools. Um, but even then, you know, Salem's very much growing and that need, those needs aren't necessarily being met. Um, but I think all of that is what I attribute to kind of my life experiences and my trajectory just growing up and uh, has a lot to do with like who I am as a person today, but also a lot of the projects that I was able to work on because of my experiences, not only through the education system, but just navigating the world in general. But that's just a little bit about myself. If you have any other questions about specifics, feel free to ask. Yeah, no, that's really, really impressive. Um, yeah, so we're gonna ask you about your campaign now. I know um, just from looking through the Facebook feed, it seems like there's a lot of uh, grassroots organizing, community participation, uh, I know the theme of your campaign uh, being trying to increase uh, equity in education and also uh, reduce classroom sizes, improve like technical skill training and just better the kind of like opportunities that students in Salem have uh, through the school system. Uh, would like to ask you uh, kind of how uh, your relationship with the community shaped your campaign tactics you chose and some of the decisions you made. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, just tying it back to my experiences uh, navigating and going through the Salem Kaiser School District. Like I knew firsthand what it was like mm -hmm. to be in the classrooms mm -hmm. to, you know, the classrooms where you have like over 30 students for one teacher. Um, and yet, you know, we're expecting them to be able to adequately meet our needs. Um, also just understanding that like, even from the get-go, when we start school, there are big educational gaps um, because of, you know, parents' education and things of that sort mm -hmm. that, like, you know, I didn't necessarily process when I was <laughs> in school, like preschool, kindergarten, like that early on ages. But as I grew up, like just knowing the differences and like resources and opportunities that students have, but also just looking at like the opportunities that I had which I am very privileged in that regard, that like a lot of these uh, opportunities that I received that have set me up for like success mm -hmm. uh, now that I'm at Willamette as well, you know, not every student had those opportunities. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, just knowing that I had, I was very fortunate to have a, had a lot of support from my parents uh, coming from home, but I know that that's also not something that everybody had. Um, so my dad worked it has worked at the same uh, job for about you know 22 years and so he was the only one working my mom was home a lot and so mm -hmm. just the caring and like home responsibilities mm -hmm. fell on her and so as part of that was to kind of instill the importance of education and make mm -hmm. sure that we're on track and not mm -hmm. getting in trouble just so that we can you know be basically take advantage of the opportunities here that they didn't have back at home but also just recognizing the <laughs> very different dynamics and also just like you know everything that they're working towards is 
to set myself and my siblings up for success. Mm-hmm. But also considering that it's really hard for parents to be able to show that support when a you know we're navigating institutions we know very little about the language barriers and also just the fact that you know there are a lot of families who both parents are working multiple jobs just to make mm-hmm. ends meet. And so just pulling from all of these like personal lived experiences, but also the lived experiences of my peers and classmates really influenced my approach to my campaign. And it was a matter of like getting to meet with local organizations, local leaders, Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Latinos Unidos siempre were, you know, very present and also just like getting, getting to hear from students of color themselves who uh, do a lot of great work on like the school to prison pipeline, for example, um, who are the the people really impacted by policies mm-hmm. um, and so it was like a lot of the times it's very easy to get into the rhythm of politics and mm-hmm. just kind of politic mm-hmm. in that sense but i really wanted to listen especially as a recent graduate to like students uh, to families and, and staff who are the ones that are most impacted by it mm-hmm. and so that's really how it shaped or kind of my campaign itself formed uh, obviously with the support of like Pekun and other organizations who are at the table we're asking the right questions, you know, what are our biggest needs from our community members? And while the campaign itself was an at-large election, so for context, the at-large system works in the way that like you have to live and run for a specific zone, mm-hmm. but the entire city of Salem and Kaiser get to vote. Oh. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that has a direct correlation to like elections and outcomes. Mm-hmm. And it's a big reason as to like why it took until this past election to elect the first Latinx board members, despite that the Southern Kaiser School District is over 40% Latinx students mm-hmm. and over 50% students of color. And yet, you know, the board, the demographics mm-hmm. makeup of the board doesn't reflect that. Yeah. And so, you know, you have people who don't necessarily have those lived experiences that students have making decisions on their behalf, not really hearing their input. And even before I ran, like my experience going to board meetings or, you know, like I said, Latinos Unidos siempre, were very vocal about very, very important issues. Often, you know, their voices just get dismissed or, you know, through policy and through just the, the systems in place, ways to kind of minimize your voice are, are just always seem to be like implemented. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Wow. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, you also mentioned that you have experience working with Pacoon and Luce as well, which are two organizations part of a coalition called Alianza Poder. Um, what was your experience working with Pacoon? Um, what advice did they give you um, and how did they support you, especially as someone who was running for school board for the first time? Yeah, so my involvement with Pacoon actually goes a little further back. I want to say like when I first started high school is when I started to get a little more involved with Pekun in particular. I started getting involved in politics eighth grade year yeah, of, of middle school. And it was because my older sister at the time, who was a Willamette student, mm-hmm. was interning for CAUSA, CAUSA, uh, Oregon's Immigrants Rights Organization. And so that's how we got involved more into like the politics aspect of, you know, policies that were being pushed for. So it was... My, my involvement with both Gauss and Pekun were more like through volunteer capacity. So mm-hmm. canvassing, phone banking for specific elected officials who were running or, you know, campaign candidates. And then also uh, for specific like, ballot measures or policies that were being pushed uh, by Pekun. And so that's how I got to meet like a lot of the members. Um, and it's funny because I, I've talked to them since. And there's this kind of similar trajectory that a lot of us have, which is like growing up in Northeast Salem, going through mm-hmm. like the most diverse schools. and 
a lot of like the current staff at Apecun as well, like our Willamette alum uh, who went to similar schools and have that similar trajectory. Um, but it's, so I think that's a, an interesting like dynamic there um, that we see those trajectories, but also just like, that's where I got to meet a lot of them. Uh, like the executive director, Reina Lopez, who was very involved with my campaign in the early stages and then just getting to work with the Pekun staff. But yeah, so my experience with them like started there and then when I was first uh, contacted about like the, the opportunity to run and whether I would consider it, Pekun was one of the members loose as an organization and their members were part of the coalition and I'm forgetting the, the exact title, but we called it the Crossroad Alliance is what it was called. It was mm -hmm. a, a coalition of organizations, but also community members who were invested in, in the elections that were coming up. And so ultimately Pekun were the organization that were financially, but also just kind of more uh, campaign aspects, uh, logistics were, were helping me and guiding me in, in that sense, you know, making sure that I was meeting deadlines, making sure that I was meeting with the respective people that could offer support to my campaign. And, you know, they help with things like my campaign literature, as well as like my campaign plan, like what, and I think ultimately, like Pegun is really good at organizing. Um, and the support that they offered there was really pivotal to, to our success. Um, and, you know, some of the advice was that, you know, I, I was going to to have to put in a lot of time and effort into not only being present at community events, but also just like on the ground, knocking on doors, speaking to people, uh, seeking donations because mm -hmm. elections take a lot of, mm -hmm. <laughs> a lot of resources yeah. financially. And, and so it was like just making sure that I was doing the things I was supposed to be doing as a candidate to make sure that like we were on the right track to uh, reach uh, out to as many folks as possible. And so they offered like, for example, like uh, full-time or part-time uh, organizers who would be knocking on doors even when I wasn't, uh, they use the resources in terms of like Canva and what doors we should be knocking on, uh, reaching out to primarily folks of color and like especially within Northeast Salem, Latinx voters who oftentimes get left out of the election process. Um, and especially with the large system, it makes it very easy to, you know, just uh, dilute their their uh, electoral uh, voice in that sense. And so uh, they were able to strategically um, make a plan so that we could meet a goal. And by the end of it, we knocked on over 20,000 doors. Wow. Majority being Latinx doors, first time voters and, you know, making over with total with the cause, it was like over 30, uh, 30,000 door knocks and, and phone calls. And like I said, we with the primary focus of like Latinx voters who tend to be first time voters. And, you know, even just from my experience, knocking on doors as a candidate, felt only not only very different, but also just the conversations I had a lot of the times it was like, I have no idea what the school board does or that it even existed and that we had a voice or a say in who's representing us at the school board level. And so, you know, they, they had a lot of advice as uh, that they shared with me as a candidate, but also just the, the resources that they were able to provide for me and the support was just really pivotal to our success. And uh, I say success because even though we didn't get the results at the election uh, that we were hoping for, we see the success of like getting voter turnout for mm -hmm. Latinx voters or just voters in general um, to be higher than what it has been in previous years or just to reach, to make that outreach as success. And I just understanding that this is 
some of the best advice I've received uh, and something that I will carry with me forever from Pekun and a lot of their members is that we are a part of a legacy. And, you know, the reason that that resonated with me was because, you know, the work that they did with Levi Herrera uh, in, I want to say 2019. So the election, no, no, that, that was my election, sorry. In 2017, you know, the results didn't reflect what we wanted at that point as well. But we were able to take a lot of the uh, learning aspects that they got from that those results and that process to then do better in our election cycle. And I say our because I ran with, why am I blaming What were the actors and like, so yeah. Um, I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm forgetting his last name. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Let me look it up. This is gonna bother me. <laughs> You're like, I have to look this up. Yeah. I'm the same way. Dave Salinas. Dave, there we go. Yeah. So, okay. So, some of the best advice I got from Pekun was that we are a part of a legacy. And so, dating back to the 2017 elections, which I specifically remember, was that Levi Herrera's, uh, Le Levi Herrera, unfortunately, he lost. And who would have been the first Latinx school board member at the time? Uh, he was very qualified, but he lost. And and so we were able to take a lot from his election and that process to then apply it to our elections and make sure that we can cover that ground in terms of like improving our strategy and mm -hmm. the way we kind of shape our, our campaigns. But And I say we because I was running very closely with uh, uh, David Salinas, who was running for a different zone. Uh, but because, you know, there was a lot of similarities in our values and, and our, our goals, you know, we were able to kind of have that slate of, of candidates. And then, yeah, I mean, we were able to take away a lot from, from our elections and that definitely applies to like the next round. And like I said, now we have the, not only one, but two Latinx school board members and, and hopefully the, the makeup of the board will continue to change as elections move on. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, like I said, just recognizing that we're part of this legacy and that, you know, even if we would have won that election, there's so much work that still needs to be done. And for me, like I personally, I was very, very devastated by the results, but not, not necessarily because I lost, but rather like the larger implications of that loss for mm -hmm. the students, mm -hmm. families that, you know, we serve. Yeah, it's all very, very powerful. Um, I guess I'd like to ask a little bit more about kind of the like network tactics you use um, and kind of like how your relationship with Pakun shaped the strategies that you use. I hear uh, you said you use a lot of grassroots organizing tactics like door knocking, community relationship building, uh, kind of going to community events. Uh, did kind of like the relationship with Pakun help to like strengthen existing community ties and build more capacity as well? Yes, most definitely. I, I would, I would say that the the resources and knowledge that Pekun had definitely had a lot of influence on my campaign. And like I said, because they have that knowledge, they were able to position me in the right places uh, where I needed to be. And so, like community events, for example, a lot of the times because um, they're like organized by like like home not home associations, but like uh, what is it called? Homeowners Association? No, I'm thinking more like the neighborhood associations. They're not like... Neighborhood Watch? Mm, not necessarily. Not necessarily. I'm blanking on this right now and it's going to bother me as well. <laughs> uh, 
anyway, in any case, uh, so yeah, that knowledge that they offer, you know, community events mm -hmm. are organized by community members. And so invitations were sent out. And so I tried to be present within community events as much as possible. Uh, my opponent was not there oftentimes. And I think mm -hmm. that's reflective of like their, like if they're not willing to put the time and effort into the campaign, like what will that mean for when they're on the board? And so mm -hmm. I tried to be exactly. on the ground, knocking on doors at community events and, you know, just speaking to organizations that were looking to support campaigns uh, to get that extra funding. And so it was a big, big learning curve for myself because also you got to be prepared for questions that folks have for you pertaining to specific like uh, policy items or even just like the specific policy issues that I was focusing on, just getting to learn more about those things. Uh, because there's so much that we can continue to learn and so just the strategies that they were able to uh help me come up with just being on the ground knocking on doors because you know really all elections should be local mm -hmm. uh, because we are the people that these policies impact and so that was a big key component that like not everyone can say at the local level <laughs> that they um focus on a lot and that comes with additional costs so i'm, I'm very grateful for not only the financial support but also just the strategic resources and other stuff that they offered to me to make sure that we could meet our goals of not only just uh, having a successful campaign in terms of like how the outreach that we have, but also just doing doing it the correct way in the sense that like, you know, we should be speaking to the folks that are impacted by these mm -hmm. policies and these election results. And yeah, so those are some of the things that I would share. Awesome. Thank you. Everything you said was so inspiring and was so like insightful. I'm just like really inspired right now. Thank you. Um, is there anything else um, that you would like to, um, or advice that you would like to give with listeners um, just about organizing itself? Yeah, so I would say that I think, yeah, one of the, the, one of the biggest uh, takeaways for me was that you, Sorry, I'm trying to collect my thoughts. Just it's okay. My Take your time. <laughs> All right. Could you could you ask the question one more time? Yes. Um, please talk about anything um, that you find inspiring for listeners or any advice you have for people who are interested in organizing. Okay. Yes. Yes. Most definitely. Yeah. Get involved. I think that's the biggest, biggest takeaway is that like a lot of people get discouraged. I think rightfully so at our political system, mm -hmm. but especially in local elections, like the, the, the voter turnout. Uh, tends to be a lot lower when it's not, you know, a, a federal election or presidential presidential election. Um, but your votes do matter. And when you got countless people saying, oh, my vote doesn't matter, I'm not going to vote. You know, it adds up and that makes a difference. And, you know, especially in local elections, you know, those, those, those votes can go a long way in deciding who the elected officials are that will be representing on the school board. And there's a lot of power, a lot of influence that comes with those positions. And so we, we must ensure that, you know, it doesn't matter your age, whether you can vote or not, get involved because those policies directly impact you. Even for folks uh, looking to, to run, you know, there's a lot of barriers for sure, financially, just time restraints. You know, if you have children, if you work a job, like all of these things that luckily, you know, as a, as a student, it was tricky to navigate, but, you know, I didn't have to worry about some of those responsibilities, uh, which allowed me to run. 
but I think you know too often, especially the voice of younger uh, younger folk, we can get discouraged and our experiences and knowledge get invalid invalidated. But lived experience is knowledge and power. So you know, let's use that to influence our election results and which directly you know impact the policies that shape the way our schools operate, uh, which also then you know has a direct impact on the tra- tra- trajectory and success of our students. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, and like one of my biggest focuses was to you know push for the trades a little more. I would think you know that we've done a better job of advocating for higher education, which is not a bad thing, but that's not the only way for folks to succeed. And also, you know, it's not the right fit for everyone. Mm-hmm. And, and so just kind of supporting students who go on a different trajectory, that's not necessarily, you know, worse. It's, you know, just an opportunity for them to find what works best for them and just kind of support that. So those sort of changes can only happen when we get involved as a community. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing with us. We really appreciate you coming out and being willing to share your experiences. Yeah. Thank you very much. This was like really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And again, thank you all for having me. Uh, You know, I think about these things a lot, I would say, just because, you know, as Willamette students, Mm you know, we have a different position with the community, but, you know, we are community members. And so, you know, I think that there's a lot that we learn as community members, but also a lot that we can, can share with the rest of the community. And yeah, this this is a, a great opportunity uh, for me to get to share about this, but also just like, I learned so much from this experience and, you know, it just makes me more hopeful that with organizations like Bakun, who are focused on grassroots uh, efforts uh, that empower people, uh, we can make change possible. And uh, yeah, like I said, thank you for having me. And I look forward to to continuing these conversations with you all later. Yeah, thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you. Now it is obvious based on the conversation that we had with Raul, that there is such a vibrant organizing and activist community here in Salem, especially amongst people in North Salem and amongst the Latina community, especially when it comes to Willamette students who come from Salem and then graduate to do incredible things around the state of Oregon and in general. Um, it seems like there is such a breadth of existing community advocacy networks in this area. And it is really inspiring as a Willamette student to be able to witness that and experience it and also be able to share that with students in the future. Now, there really is such an emphasis on community organizing, and this really reminded Gabriel and I of Pacoon and Pacoon's mission as an as an organization and as an organization that fights for human rights change. Now, Gabriel now is going to talk about his own experience with Pacoon and how he saw them in their activism in action. Yeah, so I was lucky enough to be able to uh, experience one of Pacoon's uh, organizing events at the Capitol building where they demonstrated for increased pay for farm workers in overtime conditions. Uh, It was really inspiring to see them put on the event uh, from the people who were able to turn out to the speakers who were present. 
Uh, in the spirit of Pakun, they centered the voices of farm workers who are living in these conditions and kind of the desires for change that they bring, uh, while also having connections with legislators uh, and having them share their own commitment and experience uh, with farm worker overtime pay and trying to advocate for the Latinx community in Salem. Uh, we definitely saw a lot of parallels in Poon's tactics uh, to Kekensinkik, their uh, boomerang model for transnational advocacy, where a small NGO or local organization is able to push for greater change by bringing in the state or some other legitimate entity that can bring greater change to the outcome they want. Something that is also really special about Pakun is the fact that they don't only utilize these tactics like the boomerang model that involves state actors and oftentimes are limiting. They also are not afraid to work outside the state and do their own grassroots organizing tactics. And besides being able to interview Raul, um, Gabe and I, as a class in our human rights class, were also able to listen to a lecture from Martha Sonato, who is also a member of Pakun and is one of the key leaders there. And she shared with us that Pakun's theory of change is, quote, in relationship to each other and in, in relationship to our communities locally and globally. And along with that, she also shared Pakun's mission, which states, quote, empowering farm workers and working Latina families in Oregon, their community building, organizing, increased Latina representation in elections and policy advocacy. Now, we were really inspired by these. And I think these two missions and theories of changes from Pakun really shows that this organization is really grounded in community. And it is also grounded in empowering other people and making it so that they're the ones fighting for themselves and really countering a model that has been endorsed by the state that encourages charity, that encourages existing systems that can be oppressive. And as a result, Pakun really tries to work outside the box and work, create their own path for their own and construct something. Yeah, definitely this can be seen through their on the ground action, through grassroots organizing. Uh, in the past, Pakun has conducted both boycotts and strikes to improve working conditions on farms. And this kind of spirit of grassroots organizing is definitely seen in Raul's campaign, where they were able to go to a great deal of uh, houses in the Salem community and organize on a personal level to try to increase turnout for elections. Uh, and kind of the spirit of grassroots organizing survives to this day in the Willamette community. Yeah, and as we mentioned before, um, Pakun also undergoes legislative change and policy advocacy. And especially when it comes to voter engagement, especially amongst the Latina community, Pakun is a really strong actor. And another thing that Pakun really stands for and is really dedicated to is building coalition. And Pakun allies itself with a bunch of different organizations in the Salem community and the larger Willamette Valley community. Um, they work with organizations such as GAUSA, um, LUCE, which is a student activist network that works with the Salem-Kaiser School Board. And this coalition is called Alianza Porder. And this also really is symbolic of the mission of Pekun and of Alianza Porder as a whole. 
And that is building community, building power within communities that have been disenfranchised and fighting for social justice and human rights change. Building community and building power for these communities and for these organizations is so important, especially due to the fact that the state has been unwilling to recognize and value the voices of these communities and recognize them as legitimate community networks. The state has often been a barrier for these communities in building power and in having and forming resistance. So therefore, these organizations have had to take matters into their own hands and establish community themselves. And as a result, these organizations and these community networks are often better at serving the needs for their communities than the state itself. For example, when Pecoon first wanted to improve working conditions for farm workers, they addressed farm owners directly and said, hey, can you give us these needs? We need these needs as workers and so that we can retain our relationship. I, it's good, it's good. We can just I, I, can, I can just cut, I, yeah, 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 yeah. I can just cut it and then I'll pause. For example, when Pakun first started striking and wanted to organize a strike for farm workers, they went up to and addressed farm owners specifically and demanded their needs. When the farm owners were unwilling to address the needs of their workers, Pakun took matters into their own hands and established power within their communities and gave the farm workers the agency that they needed and that they deserved as workers and as human beings. Above all, Bakun's greatest success is building advocacy networks and community networks that can be used for organizing and to put boots on the ground when boots are needed. Hopefully, this podcast serves as a reminder to stay grounded in the communities that we are a part of, and this podcast can be a useful tool for both our communal learning and something that inspires future students and hopefully yourselves to do something great. So lean into your communities, rely on your communities, because we're the only people we've got when shit hits the fan. Thank you so much for listening this far, and have a great life. Yeah.